Friday. It's the weekend. The finish line is right there. This week has just, at least in my opinion, has dragged. I mean, some weeks they'll they'll fly. Honestly, the first week being back at school flew by. This week, however, oh my god. I remember it was uh it was Monday night and I'm thinking, God, can this thing go any longer? I was like, oh holy hell, it's only Monday night. And I think that's because there's been snow on the ground ever since Sunday morning at 5 a.m. We have just, you know, we've gotten snow for maybe three days in a row. It's supposed to be snowing again tomorrow. It's just like snow left and right. And I mean, I haven't, I haven't left the school by myself in my car since, God, probably last Friday. Honestly, last Friday. I, this week, it, it's been, I, I guess this is what like winter-itis, winter disease, whatever it's called, seasonal, seasonal something disorder, whatever it's called. Maybe that's what it's like. I mean, the clock has been ticking slower than it ever has. And I'm just waiting and waiting and I'm waiting for time to go by. And it takes like a a damn year for something to go by. Anyway, you probably don't care about that. What's going on? It's the Morning Show Podcast. If you're you're waking up and listening, great. That means the name name actually holds its purpose. If it's the afternoon or evening, well, (laughs) a little late to the cut. But anyway, I just came back from a... um, like an hour and a half ago, is this film? Is this film credit I have to fulfill because with COVID you can't go out to other countries to do filming stuff. I was supposed to do one for my senior year, it didn't happen, so I'd do this one credit film. And I gotta tell you something. I'm not using the cameras that I normally use on YouTube. I was using maybe one of the nicest cameras I will ever hold in my life. It's called the Sony A7 III. If you have not heard of it, it is a beautiful, beautiful camera. It takes amazing photos. It takes killer 4K video. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where it comes with all the bells and whistles and everything. And, like, you look back at the video quality, you look at the playback on a computer, and you're like, oh my god, this is the nicest thing I've ever shot in my life. And it was. These these were interviews. It's for, uh, it's for a club here at school. And... God, I, I, it just looks so crisp. It, the definition on these videos was so good. I used a secondary camera. It's my best vlogging camera I have. It's another Sony point-and-shoot camera. That, compared to this thing, it's it's no competition. It, it's a complete, you know, runaway, honestly. And when I was, like, I wanted to, like, say something because I had to interview three guys. Following all the COVID protocols and restrictions and everything, I'm very lucky to be filming in the first place. But, you know, following all these protocols and everything, they had to give their interviews with their masks on. And personally, I, I have a I have a feeling about this, but I followed the rules. Personally to me, you know, the room that we were in, it's a classroom. The windows were open and everything. It was big enough. I had three chairs set up in the room. It was big enough to not have to worry about being in each other's airspace. You know, I had it set up in a way that, you know, you're going to film one, two, three, and then you're done. And it was going to be perfectly fine. But the rule was that they had to wear their masks the whole time for their interviews. And 
you know, I don't want to say something wrong here. To me, that that's a little dumb. Okay, I understand you trying to keep everything safe and whatnot, but you know, with all this space, everyone's in a different corner of the room and everything. I I never take my mask off to begin with. Everyone had their mask on when they weren't speaking. I like to think, you know, it's fair enough to let to just let them take their mask off and speak for five to ten minutes max. But that's just me. Maybe that's not such a hot take because, you know, everyone's at like a different level with this COVID, you know, like trying to make each other happy. Like, you know, wear it above the nose. Some people wear it below the nose. Some people make it look like a chin diaper out of South Park. You know, all those different things. And I don't know. Like, I wanted to say something about the camera. Let's get back to the camera here. I was taking this really crisp video. We had like this, like, um, it's like a yellowish, orangish looking wall thing it's a weird color in the room but it looked so good you can you can get clear definition like from people's skin from it and honestly that's why i chose the room it looked beautiful the video that was getting shot was beautiful you didn't need any exterior lights because the lighting in the classroom i mean it's like phenomenal lighting anyway when you wonder where your money goes to these private colleges that's where it goes it goes to the damn lights in the sky i promise you i mean this is like God, it was like it's like I was in like a warehouse studio room filming. It looked so so nice. I I can't I can't even describe how nice this picture looked today that I was taking. But anyway, going through filming and everything, and you know all these guys are like in accounting classes and marketing classes, and you know what am I gonna say to them? Like, man, look how crisp this picture looks. No, they could give a shit what I'm gonna say about the picture, but it looks so so nice everyone's probably tuned off this podcast already because it just looks so damn good the point i'm bringing this up is i'll I'll make this work now the reason i'm bringing it up when i first started getting involved in film and editing i started to put my presence on the youtube platform and everything i didn't use point and shoots mirrorless dslrs camcorders the 4k and the 8k camcorders and all these crazy, crazy, phenomenal cameras that all these rich people use, okay? I I did not start that way. The way I started, if you don't know the story, I use my phone, much like many other people that try YouTube, unless, you know, they want to invest early and try and get, like, a nice camera. I started by using my iPhone. This was back before a YouTube channel. And, you know, I have, like, next to no knowledge, when I first started doing this and you know it the, it just looks so nice with the camera and everything on an iPhone 4s and little did I know it's a real shitty camera when you go back on it now like it, it's not that nice but gosh how old was I when I when I filmed that video I think I was I think I was 17 I wasn't 18 yet I was 17 when I made my first like attempt at a vlog it was it was a span of like nine or ten days and First of all, I mean, it just looked, it looked good in my opinion, but looking back at it now, like I was filming on an iPhone and that was before YouTube. During the start of YouTube, I filmed on a, it was an HTC 10. It's an Android phone. And, you know, I mean, Scotty still doesn't know shit about anything film related, but to him, it's like, oh, it's colors, it's curves, it's picture. It looks nice. That's how I got by the first, I think nine months of doing YouTube was on a phone. 
and you know it's it looked okay i mean it does it does what every other smartphone does just minus some of the features on like that iphone 22 or wherever we're at now it looked good that's that's the point here it looked good now fast forward to when i got my first point and shoot it was a canon it did not have a flip screen it was uh i think it was 30 frames max and it shot in 1080 really nice okay now i'm starting to realize like there's a clear definition between doing it on your phone and then doing it on any external kind of camera there's a big difference and it's like it's like that moment where the light goes off in your head and you're like okay there's this big difference here between what looks good on your phone and what looks good on your camera that you're filming i noticed and i only noticed because of um videos that you can watch on Snapchat and on TikTok. If someone films something for Snapchat on their phone and it's like an iPhone 8, the video quality is not gonna look the same unless you watch it on another iPhone 8. The only reason I know this is because, um, I forget who it was, someone, someone put a video up on Snapchat Someone showed it to me after I saw it on my own phone and I, I had the HTC phone and you know the quality did not look that great on my phone. But he showed it to me on his phone. It's because he has the same iPhone as the other person. So when you think you're filming something on a phone and it's going to look good, when you go to put it up on YouTube or Instagram or Snapchat or anywhere on the internet, anywhere where someone else can you know, bring it back up and look at it, it's not going to look the same. It's going to look, you know, a little distorted or quality's not going to be there. That was a big, that was a big learning curve that I got with um, filming on smartphones. That, that, that was a huge moment. Now, when I was using the Canon point-and-shoot camera, it does not have all these bells and whistles. It had like, uh, it had a film mode, it had a smart capture for photos, and it had a, had a priority focus thing but the point is only one of them was manual so you could adjust for pictures one way and it's not like crazy adjustments you could make but i wasn't in this for pictures i was in this for video because you know when i got it I, I was filming every day you know the grind started i was hustling i was filming every day i was loving life the easiest part there's an sd card in it you can just go back and forth between your computer and the camera every day and you're flying so I didn't have so much like exposure to these crazy settings yet on cameras and everything was like auto. I never did manual anything, auto focus, auto exposure, anything changed was auto and the audio and the camera, I mean, it had one microphone input, but it made it dual when it came out, which was perfect for me at the start. You know, what, what the hell do I know at the start doing audio looked splendid in my opinion. Now, along the way, there have been some other cameras that have arrived in my life. Uh, let's see. I What is it? It's the Sony D, DCW80, I think, is the point and shoot I have. It's the best one I got. It's the best quality. It looks the best. It's 60 frames. It's damn near 4K, in my opinion. It's got the flip screen. You may have seen it if you watch videos. Very nice camera. It's the one I used today that I said earlier. Now, in between that span, I never used mirrorless and DSLR. I've always been using point and shoot between them. And I, I have a Sony, I think it's called Handycam. It's like the 2015 edition. I got it off the marketplace. I was, I was experimenting with cameras and, you know, I was like, well, what's the difference between a camcorder and an actual 
point-and-shoot camera, and then you know you use one, you find the differences. But beyond that point, I never used anything manual yet. And you know, I got the Sony flip screen camera that I use now, very nice camera. And I'm like, you know, th this is the shit right here. This is like my camera. This is the best camera I got. You know, if I'm filming something that, you know, I really want to have look nice, this is the go-to camera. The audio's great. The picture's great. It's the best one. Well, little dumb Scotty, who grew up on using the smartphone and the point-and-shoot camera, has this big realization when he starts to take interest more before going to film school in mirrorless cameras. And it's going to sound so stupid. I thought mirrorless and DSLR were the same thing. When in the names, they're the exact opposite because I never knew what DSLR meant before. Um, I think I came to school and actually learned what it meant. But that was the first time I realized, like, if you want to do this, it can't all be auto. Like, of course, I mean, there's plenty of people that get by that do it auto. I, I know freelancers that get by that do it auto. But the point here is you have to learn manual settings, manual changes, you know, it can't all just be autoed in. Unless you keep it on YouTube, of course you can do auto. But you gotta you gotta get to the manual side of this thing. You know, you gotta learn more about the camera. You gotta learn more about each different kind of camera. So gosh, I got a I got a mirrorless camera that I still have now. I take photos for it for a photography class. Um I got it right i think it was like the start of 2019 i got it there's the start of 2019 or the start of 2020 i'm not sure which one all i remember is there was snow on the ground we weren't wearing masks yet that's all i know so it was pre-covid for sure that was the first time i was exposed to like manual focus like i knew it was a thing but i just never had a camera that like allowed me to do it while filming and so i had like i, I made these like little three to five second like intro bumper videos and I never used them, believe it or not. All it was, was I used that camera to film, like, something that's completely out of focus and then put it in focus. Like something in my room or something that you normally see in my videos. And then, like, it would switch and it would go right into the video. And I'm not using that same camera. Now I'm, like, using autofocus cameras, point-and-shoot cameras on my phone, you know, that kind of stuff. So I switch right back to it. And I don't know if it was, like a fear of like using the mirrorless or the mirrorless the uh canon dslr camera i don't know what it was so i was getting this big like learning curve moment and i realized like i can do manual focus with this now unfortunately i don't really use <laughs> i didn't really use the whole lot because it's a big camera i'll be honest it's it's a pretty big piece of equipment it's uh it's the canon rebel t3i I'm not exactly sure here. I'm actually going to look it up because I don't want to be wrong on this. But that was like my first exposure to this thing. Let's see. T3i came out in... It's not going to tell me. 2011. Okay. Came out in 2011. I got it eight years after it first came out. But it's still, you know... it. It, it's a phenomenal camera, especially for photos. You know, I, I really started to learn how to use the camera, how to, you know, make necessary adjustments and everything. 
it was like my first chance to like really do it. Now I took an independent study and then I started to learn how to use um, mirrorless cameras along with it. I have this big book. It's like, it's like a thousand pages. If you know what an independent study is, it's where they don't teach a certain class, but there's a, there's a teacher that can facilitate the, the course of you doing it. So I have this big book and I read it cover to cover, taught me everything you could ever want to know about the world of film that we're in, at least right now. I think the edition I had was 2018, but it brings you to the most like up-to-date knowledge about every aspect of film and photography out there. So that's when I started to learn how, you know, exposure works. And that's how I figured out how to use, you know, a DSLR camera properly, a mirrorless camera. I learned the difference of them. And, you know, you're still learning. You're still learning as you go. That's the thing. A lot of people, you know, they think, you know, you, you watch a video on YouTube once, you're a pro at it. That's not exactly true. You've got to, you know, go hands-on. You've got to be using the piece of equipment. You've got to know what you're doing. You know, and the only way you get better is when you actually practice. My first time vlogging, it was not that great. <laughs> I'll be honest, when I first started vlogging, it was um, it was a little awkward. You know, you, you have to bite your tongue a little and you have, to, you have to be like, wow, this is cringy. And I'll be in the corner like, oh my God, this, this shit sucks. But, you know, those are the changes that you have to learn from practice. You know, I, I think now, you know, almost hell five years of doing it on youtube there's a huge difference now from what i did when i first started to now there's like this complete change in everything i mean that literally there's like a complete change in everything that i've done it's it's not the same kind of videos that i put out anymore you know <laughs> when i first started you'll be seeing these videos that i'd be shooting on my phone I, you could tell i'm always looking at the phone screen if you watch my older videos in the first nine months of me putting videos on YouTube, every time I did it on my phone, you could see I was looking at the phone screen because I was seeing like, what's in frame? And like, I, I keep forgetting, like I have to look at the camera lens if I want to make eye contact with the person actually watching. It's like those small little details that I can still go back and look at and still have a laugh at. And I'm like, wow, I was so unprepared, unknowledgeable, and like just really winging it every day I was making a video. And, you know, that's the thing that can get overlooked easily, too. You know, it, it's not easy. It's it's no it's nowhere close to being easy to start a YouTube channel. When when uh, when I took off, I think it was about a year in on YouTube. Like I was I was getting a couple hundred views of video, nothing crazy and stuff like that. But you know, to anyone that's kind of big that doesn't like do YouTube, and they were asking like, you know, this guy I used to go to high school with. His name's Isaiah. He was like. Um, you know, what advice would you have for me to do this? You know, like I'm having difficulty, like getting started, getting my feet off the ground. I'm like, that's exactly it. Getting started. That is without a doubt the hardest part in doing YouTube, you know, because there's so many unknowns when you're, when you're first starting out, you don't know what you're doing, what you're making, what it's going to look like. You don't know any of that stuff when you first walk into doing this. And you know, it, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be awkward at the start, but it's how you, it's how you dance on your feet. That's going to make it interesting. You know, it took a while for me to come out of my shell. I really had to, I, re I really had to work to, to make this work for me. You know, I, I was a very, I'm not going to say locked up, but I was, I was very, um, I wasn't that outgoing. 
I, I was not that outgoing at all. I, I kept to myself reserved. That's the word I'm looking for. I was very reserved when I first started doing it because I didn't know like what should I say? What shouldn't I say? I was still balancing out all the things that I was supposed to be saying. We got completely sidetracked. I'm going to be saying that for maybe every podcast I do by myself when I actually have something interesting to say maybe. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about that. I don't know why I'm talking about advice. But anyway, getting back on track, I was experimenting with all these cameras from school and independent studies and everything. So I started to learn how to use mirrorless DSLR cameras and everything. And along the way, um, you know, I, I, I'm holding the camera that I use today to film this a7 III camera. Beautiful piece of equipment. So many more buttons, so many more dials, you know. That book that I have, and I got it right over there. I, I still go back to this book maybe once a week for something that pops into my mind that I don't remember or have the answer to. It's got all the information you can think of. It has all the answers. Now I know what all those dials, those buttons, those things that flash on a big important camera mean because of this book. And you know, I'm not here to stress, you know, like go to college, go to school for stuff because there's plenty of self-learners out there. Like I'm a self-learner. I have never taken one Photoshop class in my life, but I'm making all these thumbnails. I'm doing all these like photo edits and whatnot. I've not spent one day in a Photoshop class. It is, it's completely self-taught. Oh, goodness, same goes for editing. I mean, I took an advanced editing class, but it doesn't, I knew majority of the stuff. You know, like when I first started, it was uh, Sony Vegas Pro was the program that I used. And did I know what I was doing? Hell no, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what any of the things meant. You know, you just screw around. That That's how this happened. You know, you screw around with stuff and that's how you realize like you can do it. So I was screwing around with, um, you know, those videos that I made on for uh, back in high school. You know, I was, I was just screwing around with stuff. I didn't know what half this shit meant. But, you know, you're screwing around, you're playing around with like settings and you're cutting stuff and you're pasting and you're, you're like uh, overlaying and there's all these effects you can play around with and sound effects and everything. You know, you just like play around with stuff enough to the point where you're like, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. You know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. So there's plenty of self-learners. You know, I went from Sony Vegas Pro to Final Cut Pro now to Premiere Pro. And, you know, there's so many differences in those programs. And I've used each of them for such a long time now. Let's see, I used I used Sony Vegas Pro from like 2014 to... Hmm, 2014 maybe to 20... Somewhere in 2017. And then when I got a MacBook, my first one, I had Final Cut from mid-2017. And I still use it every now and then to where I'm at now. But I started having to use Premiere heavily in like... Probably when I came to school here. So, you know, I got all this experience with all these different editing platforms and I'm self-taught on them. I know how each one works. I know what each one likes. And, you know, we, that's the thing with YouTube. When you make so many videos and you put so much stuff out there and you know, like, I can tell I edited this video in Final Cut Pro because of this effect, this filter, this transition. This is This is a true thing. You know, some of my best videos came when I was using Final Cut Pro because I it got to the point where I just, I knew the platform just so well. You know, I just, I just knew how well the platform worked. I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew, I just knew everything was good. 
I knew exactly what what was doing what in the platform. If I didn't know, you look it up on Google, you, you look it up on Reddit, you look it up on different sources, okay? There's a million ways to look it up. But the point here is, you know, I self-taught myself how to use Final Cut Pro, how to use Premiere, how to use all these different things. Like I built myself from the ground up in the world of editing. Now it's at the point where it's like, you know, I, I got hired to be an editor of a, of a short film. I'm getting hired to do other edits. I'm getting hired to do cinematography, like other things. But it all started with that base point, that baseline of editing. If the baseline for editing wasn't there, I would not be here. Editing is honestly what kind of made me interested in film to begin with. You know, yeah, making vlogs were cool. But then I was like, you know, if if you spend more time with the edits, if you spend more time looking at how other people edit, and I still do this, you know, people that take time to edit, people that, you know, really, you know, do stuff in the editing room that really want to try and try something different. That's what I like. That's that's how I got my interest in film. Like I can watch a movie. It could be the most boring movie as long as it's not like one giant still shot for a movie. And I will watch the editing techniques. I did a podcast with uh, two friends here at school in the film program. We're starting a film podcast and I don't know a whole lot of information about it right now to tell you, but you know, we were talking about a movie from 1971. It's called The French Connection. And this is back when you had film strip, you had analog audio recordings. You know, this is like OG of OG. You don't have digital editing. You can't just go and cut where you please just by looking at it on a screen. You have to go and you have to run the film. You have to actually physically cut it. You have to, you have to trim it. You have to paste it. You have to do the OG style of editing. And, you know, it's, it's weird to, to watch, you know, films from then. And you're like, I'm curious how they did X, Y, and Z. How did they, how did they cut, you know, back and forth conversation? And so you can watch in the edit of the film, how they did it. Or you watch like, where are they speeding up? How did they speed up? Why are they speeding up? One of my favorite things to do in a film is to always ask why, why did they make this decision? Why are they doing this? What's the purpose? You know, I'm not one of those people that will really go all in on the story and like evaluate it. I like to look at it from the post-production, the editing side. That's what I like to do. I like to see, you know, why is this being shown to us this way? And I'm like, ah, they're showing emotion because of the way the guy's looking at the camera or the way the guy's looking at someone else. And they're not showing the person's expression until after the sentence, you know, just real simple stuff like that. You know, that's like... I, I can eat that up all day because, you know, it's it's always interesting. You know, the editor always has an interesting part to say in a film because the editor, sometimes he makes the decisions that can help make this movie amazing. You know, you'd be surprised holding a few more frames on one like close up shot before you go into a wide shot can change the whole movie. Uh, it's It's the way I've seen it before. You know, editors carry a lot of power. I like um, I like directors and editors that work well together. I really do. I've seen, I've you can see films where it happens, and there's some speeches out there like you know the editor and I got together so well, and that's why this director's winning the award in the first place. The editor, he's helping you bring everything together now. You know when you go to film something, the director has this thing in his mind. 
He's got the visual. He knows what he wants. He knows how he's going to go out. He's going to get this visual. But the only way he's going to be able to come back and make this thing a reality is if he's a skilled editor himself or if he has an editor that works with him, that understands what he means, what he says. That's how it happens. Those are some of the best videos in my mind that I think I've seen. We have gone completely off the rails, by the way, <laughs> on this podcast. But man, I've, I've learned that I've become very passionate about the way I've seen people edit things. You know, it's not just simple cuts in, in a video anymore. You know, that's how I first started. Now it's like, you know, you make a cut at a specific point. The art of the cut is missed by so many films. You know, it, it's honestly pissed me off before. You know, these films that get high ratings and stuff, I'm like, they can't even do a simple cut right. You know, when you cut, and there's this thing, it's called L&J cutting. Pretty much the audio starts before the next clip or the clip starts before the audio. There's certain times where you're supposed to actually do it. You know, you don't just throw it in when you feel like it. You know, the idea is that you're rewarding the viewer the guy watching the film, the movie, the YouTube video, Instagram, whatever it's going to be. You can't start the audio of something unless you have someone's attention. So, you know, the most important part of a movie is a phenomenal time to do a J cut, to do an L cut. You know, you're rewarding the viewer because they're getting to either see the next like piece of piece of clip that's going to play, the next visual before the audio comes with it, or they start to hear the audio of the next clip before they see it. It's a way of rewarding the person watching. And it's something that I personally think it, it gets overlooked. You know, people throw it in at some of the damnedest times, like conversation that really doesn't need it. The, the you know, the classic over the shoulder in like a TV show and whatnot. It's fine to do it there, but they, I mean, they just do it too much. You know, I've seen, uh, what is it? 360 conversation where you go over the shoulder and they've completely messed it up you know they'll mess up the over the shoulder filming where you're supposed to establish you know the 180 line somewhere and you don't cross that line but it's okay in the 360 world i'm i might lose you here on this but i i've always felt this way on just the basic tv show when you're filming if you have six people sitting at a table you know, if you start between the guy in the red and the blue coat and you work your way around and you're filming different parts, you can't film cross the line of the guy in the red coat. I'm sure I lost all of you when I said that. It, it, it's a podcast, it's audio, it's going to be hard to show it to you visually, but I've always had this like, this, um, not a niche, I don't even know what the word is, I've had this like, um, this shade. I'm throwing shade at it. How about shade? Shade a good word. But that's just some of the stuff that I've picked up on, you know. How did we get here, man? <laughs> How the hell did we get here? You know, I was I was talking about cameras for a second. Now we're on now we're on movies. Well the point is, you know, I, I was looking at the editing of this film from 1971 for this podcast with some friends and it's always interesting to watch older pieces of work. And just see how they edit stuff. Compare it to now. This is the competition now. You have to pay attention. You know, you have to know what in the world looks good to people these days. And you know, there's plenty of people out there that don't make stuff that, you know, looks good in the eyes of 
other people. They, they make it look good for them. And I mean, I'm not opposed to it. But you know, when in the age of digital, you know, everyone has the phone, you know, you got to make stuff look appealing in a certain way. People that do it on TikTok are a great example here. They aren't doing and they aren't filming in a way that it's going to make sense to you because they, they hit the button on their phone. They set it like up on a table or against the wall or something. And they have like visual, visual appealing colors or shapes or something in it. If you look at some of like the higher people on TikTok, aside all the girls that are like, you know, putting their stuff out there and whatnot. If you look at people that kind of just have like a higher following, watch and see like the colors in their videos. Watch and see the shapes in their videos, their surroundings, you know, watch like, what's the color of their shirt? Are they, are they wearing a shirt? That's even a better question for TikTok. You know, these are the kind of things that, you know, make them really stand out. And, you know, it, I, I noticed this on Instagram back when uh, photographers came on. It was like, you know, Instagram's the platform to be, you know, people were making uh, like photo sets. And, you know, Instagram, you can go in rows of three. And so you take photos in a way that it shows like this color and whatnot in rows of three. But then you'd look and you'd see on TikTok the same thing. Some people that are really smart and plan this ahead, they will make sure that there's specific colors. And if they upload three times a day, they know what their colors are going to be and what order it's going to be uploaded. So that way, when people go to their page, they see this like really visually appealing thing. I I scrolled through TikTok this week. I, I did it. It was on a, it was Tuesday afternoon. I scrolled on TikTok. Now, I, it was some guy, huge following. I forget who he is. But I went under his um, his page and I was scrolling and he starts every thumbnail to his TikTok videos are these like really vibrant, like red and blue colors. And each three would set up with red and then blue. One, one day or one week or whatever it is, it'd be three red videos, three blue videos. And he'd play with the color. So when people would go and he wins them over with his video and they go to his actual page, they see like this really cool looking... Um, I guess the term's like a catalog, same with Instagram, like you scroll through and you see just like the thumbnail of everything. I guess technically that's what it's called, but those people can really play with it and make it look, you know, really unique. <sighs> I don't really have a whole lot else to say. I mean, I've been, I don't know, this has been a slow week, guys. I've, I've been, uh, I've been trying to get by this week. It has been dragging on. But to, uh, to make it to the end of this week, point of the story, if there even is one to walk away with from today, is that cameras are a powerful tool. They are very powerful, especially the Sony a7 III camera. You know, I don't use that camera that often. I, I mean, this was the first time I got to use it for an actual like school-related project. Like, I, I got to use it a little bit for an independent study, but, I mean, that's maybe as far as far as we go. I don't use it that often, but that that's the most I think I actually use it for. And it, it's fun, you know, I realize, you know, as I'm, as I'm getting close to graduating and everything, the time to like, you know, embrace where you're at is now. You know, like embrace the fact that, you know, you have to make a one credit film. Embrace the fact that, you know, you, you have to know how to use this, you know, really expensive ass, nice ass, functional ass 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 camera 
like you gotta embrace it like when i was filming i was like god this looks so damn sharp this camera's you know baller but then i'm like you know i i can see myself doing this you know i have fun the people that were there today when i talked to them you know they're laughing i'm laughing we're having a good time it's what it is and then i hit the button they say their stuff and then we all go home and i edit and then i'll, I'll make a satchel full of money or something you know it's it's just fun that I, I really didn't know when I first got into film, you know, if the, if it was going to stick. I knew when I came to La Roche, but when I wanted to make the change in community college, I didn't know if it was going to stick with me because I was so undecided. It's not even funny how undecided I was in life. I mean, I was seriously ready to just... At one point, I said I want to be a priest. I said I want to be a race car driver when I was like hooked on NASCAR. I said I want to be a baseball player. Then I said I want to be a soccer player. Then we got back to baseball player. Then I said I want to be a journalist. Then I want to do cybersecurity. Then back to journalism. And man, I was all over the place. I really did not know out of high school what the hell I wanted to do. And I wasn't like someone that, you know, would just be like, oh, you know, bro, it comes to you when it comes to you. No, like I was like, I was freaking out. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I don't know where the hell I'm going in life. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm ever going to go to school again. You know, like you go through high school and you go through the motions and you just don't know if you don't know, but you sure as hell know if you know. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I, w I freaked out a few times over that summer before uh, community college. Going to community college was honestly like a, a real relaxing moment because it put some normalcy back in my life. You know, like I was so used to going to school and I'd spend all that time there. I never knew what it was like to live a little. But then I started to know again. And it felt it felt good to know that I was going back to community college. Now, I didn't know where community college was going at first. Because when I got in, I was enrolled in uh, just, you know, gen ed classes. Nothing crazy. Because I didn't know just yet. But after that first semester, I had to make a decision. So I said cybersecurity. Well, that didn't work. I mean, I took one class and I was, <laughs> I was ready just like, you know. Tossed my computer out the window. I didn't know what the hell was going on. The people were so nice, though. I mean, I, I love computer people that are that are nice. I'll say it that way. I like computer people that are nice, that are very open. I, I swear to you, half of that class, half of the people in that class for cybersecurity were already actively in the military or on leave. And they're the nicest people. They're some of the smartest people you're ever going to meet. These guys, I, I don't think there are any girls in the class. Maybe there was one or two. And even then, they were smart as hell. They were smarter than the guys in all this programming. You know, like the typical nerd from like comics and old TV shows. It's a dude, you know, glasses, curly hair, you know, has the buck teeth and everything. Not that. No. These are like, this may sound, you know, no homo. These are some nice looking dudes in the army, first of all. I mean, these guys are built. They're, they're cut. They're clean. They're slick. And they're so nice. I, I was in the back row of my cybersecurity class. The only one I took. A guy from India sat to my right. Really funny guy. We got along so well. He's in a video. Um, I took this class in 2017. If you want to look this up, it's in a video somewhere. I think it's in my, it's in my like rewind from 2017, I think, actually. He fell asleep during a class one time. He already did all the assignments for the semester. He was just there because he technically he had to be there. And then the two other guys to my left, one of them was uh, Giovanni. I remember his name. He is such a nice guy. He was on uh, leave. I think he was in the Navy. 
who's in the Navy or the military. And then the guy to the left of him, he was, um, he like had a full-time job and everything, but he had to take that class to like finish his, uh, degree. Like he was a full-time like, um, hacker for like the government or something. And I'm like, all these guys around me are like geniuses. And I'm like the dipshit in the back row that doesn't know anything. Now here's the interesting part. I've, I may have said this story before. I got an A in that class. I got a 90 in the class, but that's only because, and huge shout out to anyone that was in that class, those guys that sat in the back row with me helped me get by that class. I didn't know shit when I walked in. I don't know shit when I walk out. I got a 90 in that class. And so I went to the advisor that I had and I didn't tell her yet. I was ready to switch to journalism. And she says to me, you know, you did so well in the cybersecurity class. You got a 90. The teacher said that you were a pleasure to have in class. So let's look at the course catalog and let's see what we should have you signed up for for the next semester. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. let's slow down on this now. I don't think it's a wise idea that I stay in this program. I, I told like, I, I mean, I may have had a good grade, but I don't know shit about what the hell just happened here. I'll be honest with you. So that's when I switched to journalism. Journalism, I thought journalism was it. I thought that's where I was going to be. I seriously thought, you know, I am in for journalism. You know, I like to write, I, I like to write stories. I like to meet some people as I write along the way. I thought that's where I was going to be. I had a great, I've had great writing teachers at that school, at community college. You know, they say like, you know, you go to university, teachers are great. That's bullshit. Okay. Not every university is great. First of all, some of them are just for parties and to take your money. The one I'm at now, it's a good university. Don't get me wrong. Community college. I mean, you're trying to figure your shit out. You're trying to finish a degree. These people that teach there are some of the nicest humans that have walked the face of the earth. Really are. All my writing teachers, my journalism teachers, phenomenal. Phenomenal people. Very great people. So I'm taking, I'm taking my first journalism class. The lady that's teaching it, phenomenal. She's talking about like who she is and where she went to school and who she's written for and so on all these like samples the first day. I'm like, wow, this is a little bit overwhelming because this is like, this is like the shit right here to me. Like this is the show, you know, I, I don't know, like <laughs> the pressure was on for me. So, you know, sh this lady helped me get my life on track in writing because I didn't know what the hell I was doing the first day. You know, they, they went over some basics, but you're supposed to have some knowledge going into it, but she helped catch me up very quickly. And so I was taking all these journalism classes and I was having fun with it. Next thing you know, I'm the editor of the newspaper for my last semester there. And um, there's this thing that happened with the president of the school. And next thing you know, uh, since I'm the editor of the paper, and by the way, being the editor, it was fun as hell. I had to cover... And I think I'm the only one still that has covered a story about her when she was accused of, um, it was like bully-like tendencies or something like that. And so I, I was the, I might have been the only student ever to do this. I don't even know. I went up to the office where she's at. You have to go through like this little like clearance thing. You have to get buzzed in and whatnot. I got to sit in her office and interview her. And there was a, there was like some legal team action going on because you know, when you're accused of like uh, all this stuff, you know, she had to say yes to the student newspaper. Honestly, I was surprised that she wanted to do it. 
but she she said yes that she wanted to do it so the pressure was on i get in there and you know it's go time there are these two people that sit next to me and they're talking to me about school and whatnot and you know they're trying to just like break down the wall before i go in but i stayed strong i go in there i got my guns loaded okay i don't mean literally like i had questions ready you know questions that were detailed and put in a way like you can't really you know shake them out you know you're gonna have to say something here and um you know i I ask these like straightforward questions and uh, i will never forget she laughed at one of my questions that i asked and i was like what did you just do like i'm not even joking she straight up laughed in my face at a question i asked her and I wrote that in my notes. I don't know if I still have that notebook, but I like wrote it. I'm like, this, what the hell did she just do? She laughed at me, laughed at my face <laughs> for asking her a question. I'm like, you must, you must not realize, like, I'm the person that's going to be writing this too. But, you know, they were saying like, you know, bully tendencies, you know, harassment. I don't know if it was harassment. Don't quote me. But it was, she wasn't doing some nice stuff apparently to people. She was being rude to people. And I saw it in person. You know, when you ask questions that dig, I will never forget this. There was a dude at the other end of the table that sat out in the room with me before I went into her office to start asking questions. The moment she was about to crack and start saying too much and like kind of get potty mouth, but not like bad words, more like just saying stupid shit. I asked her the question to the point where I was thinking, this is the breakthrough right here. The moment she starts to start rambling on, I'm thinking, this is it. Right before she starts saying stuff that she's going to begin to say, maybe I shouldn't have said that, the dude at the end of the table puts his hand up and she stops. Dead in her tracks, stops talking. And I'm thinking, shit, they had this planned out so well. To me, that's like you're hiding something. Now, I'm not here to start conspiracies or whatnot. I don't think people care about this thing anymore. I don't even know if she's still there. Bless her soul. I'm sure she is. They had this thing so well planned out that the moment his hand moved up, she stopped instantly. She was middle of a word. I will never forget. She cut off the word she was saying. I'm like, what the hell just happened here? So part of me, they don't teach you like how to do these intense interviews in my classes. But I'm thinking like, it's getting to the point where it's like, do I ask this question again and see what she says? Or do I go to the next one? Or do I say like, please finish? Or like, I don't know. It was like my first time. I was, uh, I was like, I think I was 20. I was 19 or 20 when this happened. I was like, I don't know what the hell just happened here. I was kind of scared. I'm like, what the hell just happened here? It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. She stopped mid effing sentence because this dude puts his hand up. So when this was over, I, I go back to my house. I emailed my uh, journalism teacher. I told her how it went and everything. And she's like, well, you're going to have to get the story out soon. You know, because our, our issue was way down the line that we were supposed to have ready. This was like a special feature story. I mean, it's our principal. You know, she, she's been getting like media attention from like news stations in Virginia and here in Maryland and West Virginia and stuff. So it's like, you know, you got to get the story out. So it took a long time for me to write the story because I knew it was so like pressure packed and i i didn't know if i was like still completely devoted to journalism or not you know like if i do this the wrong way like what the hell could happen to me in and like in the eyes of people that would like want me if i transferred 
or like the local newspaper if they wanted to pick me up. It was a lot of pressure. It took like a week and a half for that story to come out. I, I intentionally avoided it some days. I was like, I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I seriously didn't know. And she, she was rude. I'll be honest. She was rude. I, I don't like to call people bitch, but the dogs were walking. The dogs were walking that day, my friend. The guy that put his hand up, he's a dog. He was walking too. I, I just it's one of the weirdest fucking things I've seen. You know, it's a college newspaper, and they have this thing all planned out like some like fucking circus. The moment he puts his hand up, I will never forget this. Puts his hand up, she stops mid-sentence. Just instantly. To me, as a as a college journalist, I'm like, I was this close to possibly getting information that no one else would have ever gotten. I mean, I got plenty of information. I had an experience maybe no one else at that school will ever get. But damn, I was so close. Anyway, that's, that's the podcast for today. I've, I've gone long enough. Um, uh, we're brought to you by Scotty Vlogs Naturally. Um, <laughs> I had two videos come out since the last podcast. One was, uh, I was in downtown with Chrissy, downtown. It was pretty fun. Um, the other one was uh, showing the snow here at school. So two videos, go check them out if you haven't. And um, that's pretty much it. I think that's a wrap for today. I've, uh, have a good weekend and... Um, you know you know the deal next friday we'll uh i don't know maybe i'll maybe we'll find a more interesting story